Welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about real life. And now, here's your host and my friend, David Higginbotham. Thank you for joining us here on the Learning to Thrive podcast. My name is David Higginbotham, and I'm your host. I appreciate you taking some of your time to invest in the the project that we're working on now, and that is having real conversations with real people about their real lives and about the journey that they're on and how they've been and hopefully and will continue to discover the grace and the mercy and the love and the peace of God right along the way right along the way when it's the when it when it's blue skies and right along the way when the storm comes we just thank you for that because those are the stories that we're sharing that are bringing encouragement and hope and blessing to people who are on the way themselves you're going to encounter some challenges in the next week that you probably didn't anticipate and the thing that we're trying to encourage you with is through the stories that our our friends are sharing, is that when those things happen, take hope because God is right there with you. That's the theme that I've been hearing as we've been recording these these conversations over the past weeks is, is God is with me. God was there. I didn't realize it until this happened and that happened, but God was always there. So thank you for taking some time to join with us on our podcast project. I, I've got a friend, a long-term friend today with me, a guy named Steve Smith. Hello, Steve. Hey, David. How are you? Steve, Steve and I have known each other since um, 94, maybe somewhere that around. Sounds, no, 95. Okay. It was it was 95. Yes. I'm going to take your word on that. Yeah, it was it was the summer I turned another age that I'm not going to mention, but uh, it was <laughs> I turned 40 in 1995 and it was that summer that fall that we met. So Steve and I've been friends. We went to work together and we were just, we were just remembering the the series of events that brought us to the same company. And uh, it's kind of cool to look back on that, isn't it, Steve, and, and see the hand of God, even when you weren't aware of it. You know, I met Jack Sullivan at church. I had just lost a, a, a job that I was, uh, I liked, uh, was with for three years and had been at Northway Christian Community in Wexford, Pennsylvania for a few years now. And uh, Jack was walking into the building one evening or one Sunday service. I was sitting outside of the building and we started up a conversation. And um, uh, fast forward, uh, I'm employed by him in a handful of months. I think at that time, I think Amy and I were babysitting his three sons too. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I'm out of work. I'm painting with a friend. Um, I get to know Jack, I think, during a <clears throat> prayer time, during a Sunday morning service. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first time I had an interaction with him. And then through a series of I just getting to know him being part of the church, uh, they needed a babysitter somehow. We started mm-hmm. babysitting his kids when he was traveling. And then um, again, one evening, He's walking into church. We've had another conversation, and uh, I started working for him in the fall of 97. Mm, mm. Excuse me. Yeah, 97. Mm, okay. That's fun. No, I think it was earlier no, than that. No, excuse I started me. in the fall of 95. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's 87. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You'd been there for a while. And yeah. That's, yeah. That's, a, that's good. Yeah. It's and, and similar. I. Jack Sullivan, um, who, who was our boss and the owner of the company, mm-hmm. uh, I 
wound up connecting with him uh, as well, because at, at that particular time, he was part of a church planting group that was, we were planting a church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania, and I had come to be a part of that. And uh, Brenda and I were in a life group with with him and Mary. Mm-hmm. Jack was the leading, leading the life group. And through a series of events, I too wound up coming to work for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a life-changing kind of thing. It really it set the direction for my life for nearly 20 years. Me too. Uh, it was a, he was a dear, he is a dear brother. I said, mm-hmm. I said he was a dear brother <clears throat> and uh, maybe I'll get Jack on here to, to share some stories from his life as well. But sure. Steve and I got connected. You and I got connected, Steve, and we had a, uh, a working relationship together for a lot of years, mm-hmm. but we also developed uh, a heart connection of friend relationship. And, and and a brother relationship in Christ because absolutely yeah I, I've I've worked with a lot of people over the years where I don't have the kind of heart connection that I have with you and with a number of those other guys I mean Jack really touched the lives of, of several dozen guys over over years through business yes he did and and reaching into their lives and providing employment opportunity and counsel and uh, a, a, an incredible uh, just example from his own life and. I, I think really appreciate uh, the, for many years, the company was very profitable and the work was fun mm-hmm. and we were able to interact as brothers in Christ while working hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was, um, it was a wonderful experience to be in a, in, in a situation like that. It really was where we <clears throat> depended on God to open up doors. Yes. You know, and we, we were supporting each other while we were working and providing for our families. It was such the culture of TLC agency was uh, wonderful. It really was. It was a, that kingdom business kind of model that, uh, you know, it was, it was just really, really, really helpful and a blessing for us. Yes, it so, was. Anyway, Hey, that's, uh, that's, that, that's Steve Smith and me. Our background goes, it goes back that far, but <clears throat> the, the, the reason, uh, the reason I ask you to be a part of this podcast project, Steve, is because, mm-hmm. I know you're a man who has a heart for God and I know that you've had a journey with him over the years. And what we're doing here is just simply talking with, with people who, who have have that kind of tenure and that kind of history with God, just to find out about what's happened along the way. And uh, the, how have you come to know and see God's faithfulness being expressed in your life through this circumstance or that circumstance? And those are the stories that were, that that I'm, I'm hearing and that we're recording about. Tell me something. You you uh, you were raised in a home that um, that had some different kind of background to it. Uh, how, how give it? Can you give us uh, just a a quick overview of how, how what your home life was when you were a kid growing up? And I mean, ultimately, you came to a place of faith in Christ and I began. Did began that active heart journey with Jesus, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it wasn't always that way. So can you give us a, a just a quick overview of what that might, sure. might have been like? Sure. Well, I was raised in a Catholic home mm-hmm. and um, was born in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, my parents had a 48 acre farm uh, right outside of uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. We lived there at least uh, until I was six or seven. Um, uh, I've got five other brothers and sisters. Um, life on our farm in Gettysburg for me was just wonderful. Eventually, we sold the farm 
And my father moved to uh, Pittsburgh where he became a, a, a salesman for a printing company. Uh, back in Gettysburg, he was a pressman for the Gettysburg Times. Anyhow, we went to a Catholic um, school uh, during my grade school years. And um, I guess you would characterize our family as very Catholic. We were very faithful to go to church, go to mass on Sunday mornings. And that was just the way life is, was. Um, we also had a large Bible on the coffee table in our home, which I never read nor was there any desire to read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but anyhow, you know, and David, I just thought all, all of those, I get saved in 23, but up until I'm 23, I just assumed mm. I'm a Christian. Mm. Certainly I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I had no concept of not being anything other than that. Right. Right. So well, because leave- you, 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 you went to church on Sunday morning. Exactly. And you, you went to school that had, a religious structure to it. Yes. My and, uncle was a priest. Yes. And there's a Bible on your coffee oh, yeah. table. I mean, well, I also went to an all guys Benedictine mm-hmm. uh, college in mm-hmm. St. Vincent college in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. So I attended that and mm-hmm. graduated from there eventually. But anyhow, I, so I come from a large Catholic, um, Catholic family and uh, that was really important to me. I have to say Jesus mm-hmm. Christ uh, through all those years was very important to me. Uh, but I didn't come to faith till I was 23 through because I was not doing well as a young man. I honestly think David in hindsight, if I had not, if Jesus Christ had not found me, I just would have checked out in my early twenties. What do you mean checked out, Steve? I think that yeah, at the time I, I'm saved, I'm very broken. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, physically, I withdrawn from chiropractic school um, and um, anxiety attacks, which we can talk about uh, as we go along here. But um, I honestly think with the type of mental state I was in, emotional state I was in, I just think I would have checked out. I just think I would have just, I would have taken my life. That's what I think. Yeah. Suicide. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll never know, right? <laughs> but, oh, well, yeah, sure. And thankfully, and that's, <laughs> thankfully, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I, I hear, I hear you. What I hear is mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of reconnecting with the depth of the brokenness that was there. It was there, life. and and the, and w- would you, would you have characterized yourself as being hopeless, perhaps? Uh, not necessarily. I wouldn't call it. Totally hopeless. But not hopeful. Not hopeful, by no means. Okay, yeah. By no means. So so how did I get to the point where I'm 23 and broken? And so I think somebody seeing me at 23 years old, they wouldn't have seen the brokenness on my face. They wouldn't have seen it on the outside of me. And why is that? I I was probably, I would say I was a fit, um, clean cut, Mm-hmm. American kid. So not into drugs. Right. You know, I, 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 I don't come from a, a home that's all broken. Mm-hmm. My home's not necessarily broken on the outside. It's just not. Right. You know, and so in that sense, mm-hmm. if you were to look at me on the outside, I'm just, you know, just a kid walking down the street. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. In his early 20s, going to school or had been in school and hardworking, uh, moral. Yeah, to a degree. 
but emotionally I was pretty broken. Mm. And again, so how did I, how did I get there? Yeah. You know, if you would have talked to me, David, in late in my high school years or any day while I was on campus in college, and you would have asked me, Steve, what do you want out of life? I would have answered that question immediately and clearly. I just want to be a husband and a father. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted. Mm. I want to be a husband. And I want the opportunity right. to be a father. Right. That was very important to me. Right. I would take time while uh, uh, during the years I was at St. Vincent College. We had a large uh, Catholic uh, we called it a basilica. It's like a cathedral. Mm-hmm. And but when I had time, I would sneak into there in the mornings, uh, on the weekends. And I literally would spend hours there, mm. flat, flat on my back, on a back pew, staring up at the ceiling. It was a beautiful building. Mm. And I would just talk to God. I would just say, you know, Lord, I'm really looking forward to be a husband and a father. Mm. Or, Lord, I'm struggling in this or that class. You know, and I just sit there and talk. But this was kind of like my pattern. Even when we lived on our farm in Gettysburg, I would literally spend hours flat in my back in our yard with my dog, Sam, next to me. And I would just look up at the clouds. And I would spend the day looking at, you know, figures in the clouds. You know, I, 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 in that sense, that was just my temperament. I would, I'd like going away enjoyed God's creation, but I would spend time again in, in, in college. I would take time and I would want to talk to God. Anyhow, with that being said, now the other uh, part of, of the dynamic that's going on here is, is the background of my family. My mother got involved in the new age movement very deeply mm. while, while I'm in high school, grade school, high school and all of that. And, you know, through the books that she had given to me through her influence uh, on our family, you know, I learned to quote pray, but it wasn't really, it was, you call it meditation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this sounds kind of odd. So between my time in, on the pews in, in the Basilica yeah, and, 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 and me just quote meditating, right? I was praying or communicating to the God that I knew at the time. Right. But I, here I am one day, I'm a freshman. It's I'm in between my freshman, sophomore year I'm on campus working on the summer theater uh, uh, crew that built the sets. And I was feeling awfully lonely. And I'm there, Lord, I need a vision. I need you to show me who I'm going to marry. And, and, and David, as sure as I'm sitting in this chair, a very detailed, quote, vision came to me. Mm. And there's a series of three individuals, three females with distinct characteristics characteristics about them yeah okay so all right so fast forward (laughs) uh, three years four years and i literally come to the third person in the series of individuals that i see as a freshman in college right and the big thing about this third person was that in this vision they had these extremely long fingernails Now this sounds okay. really silly. Okay, it's no, crazy. no, no. It's, it's, it's it, that's a very distinct. That's a very distinct. Oh, it was it was very clear to me. It was very clear. so anyhow. So anyhow, I'm I finished four years of school. I hasn't I hadn't graduated from St. Vincent College. I'm home for the summer, and somehow I I get connected with an old friend from uh, Catholic grade school. 
it was a girl that I knew in grade school and I didn't even like her. <laughs> but the one thing I remember about this girl is that she would chew her fingernails to the bone. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't do that. And I thought it was odd when I saw people do it, but people do that. And I'm, I'm thinking that's my one memory of this girl was that, man, <laughs> when I remember her, I'm going to remember her, her, her fingernails bitten down to the bone. Right. So we, all, we actually go to the same uh, public high school. And for four years, I'd never see her. We're not in the class. I don't pass her in the hallway. We don't have the same lunch, nothing. I don't see her for four years. We're in the same building. Hmm. So anyhow, uh, we, our families know each other. And for some one way or another, we somehow, she comes over to my house. And I called her. She calls me. And our families thought that we would be good together. Okay. So, yes. So, so anyhow. So I see her. It was set up. I see her. And the girl I knew in grade school whose fingernails were bitten to the bone had the longest fingernails I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> So, so in my new age kind of mindset, right. taking this vision to heart and right. believing it's God. Yes. Oh, I'm like, this is the sign. This is it. This is it. So, 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 you know, I do get involved with her. I do care for, her. I get involved with her intimately mm-hmm. and here I get a sexually transmitted disease. Wow. And see, I wanted to be a virgin. I honestly wanted to be a virgin before I got married. You know, this is like, talk about like, I must be out of the 19, early 1900s, David, because here I am. I, I don't want to have sex before marriage. I really want to be a husband. I want to be a father, all of that. So this, this really affected me big time. And it broke me. This is a key thing. And so, is, that, is that because you are, you, suddenly now you're seeing, that's not going to be able to happen. Or, well, two things. I, I, we broke up. We broke up because of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it, it's, we were just right with each other, but, uh, but, but I went into this whole relationship with this quote vision. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Behind me. Yes. Thinking that I'm obeying quote God. Yes. Okay. This was his path for me. Sure. So and now, and, and, I, and now the wheels are, the wheels are coming off. Oh, wheels have definitely fallen off at least for me. And I'm questioning, I, I don't think I know God. Right. Okay. Do I even know you? I would walk around during that summer uh, in our neighborhood and I'm there, Lord, uh, I feel broken. I feel dirty. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that way about her. I feel that way about myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so, uh, uh, Anyhow, that's that's so, that's kind of started this whole. Now I'm questioning everything that I had learned from my mother, praying everything. I'm questioning this vision. Everything's now under the microscope, and I'm like, I don't think I even know God. Right. So, and so that 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 event or that summer, the things that happened there, sure. You, the this vision that you've gotten, sure. This belief that okay, this is this is this is the trajectory of my life. It's going to be with this girl, and yes. these things suddenly there's a, a 90 degree turn to the left yes. and it's like, Whoa, yes. Everything that I've been counting on and everything I've been moving toward is now out the door. Yeah. Now for some people in today's world, that might not have been a big deal, but for mm. me, it was, it was very significant. I go on to go to chiropractic school. I eventually withdraw from chiropractic school within a year. And uh, shortly after that, I come to Christ. 
uh, in 83, April of 1983. Okay. And I mentioned, I think, Northway Christian Community earlier. Mm-hmm. I credit that church for my salvation. Mm-hmm. I learned later that they were a praying church. Mm-hmm. They were praying for the community. And I honestly believe in my heart. Their prayers had an impact on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get saved um, again in 83. Come back home. I'm, I hadn't finished my four-year degree at St. Vincent College. I'm without work, um, and I'm 23 years old. I, I go back to college. I do finish my degree, and then I think I'm back in back living at home in 84. Mm-hmm. I spend three days fasting and praying, asking God, Lord, I don't know anything about the churches in my community. All I knew was the Catholic Church down the street. And again, the Lord this time. Now, this is the Lord. He gave me some specific directions on about a church. He said, Steve, I want you to go to that, to that um, uh, Christian bookstore that you know. I want you to talk to them. Of course, this is not audible. This is like, I get the strong impression after three days of praying and fasting. So I did. I okay. walk in there. The lady says, oh, there's a church that has offices upstairs here. You can talk to the youth pastor, Blaine Workman. So mm-hmm. I talked to Blaine. He's very nice. I'm, first time I met him, he gives me three churches. He said, Steve, you can go here, here, or I, I'm a youth pastor over at Northway Christian Community. We'd, we'd love to see you on Sunday. Okay. That Sunday, I walk into Northway Christian Community. And as soon as I walk through the double glass doors, I knew I was home. Mm, mm. It was there that the Lord started putting me back together. Yeah. So one of the first things that the Lord did to me that was very significant was they had, of course, a worship team. I should not have been on it. Because I'm not that good of a singer, but but they would accept anybody, including me. They were looking but, for help. But at that time, the church is fairly new, and I couldn't wait to get to church on Sundays. I couldn't right. wait to put the chairs up. I couldn't wait to sing on the worship team. I couldn't wait to get the worship practice. Sure. So we had a retreat. Uh, this is probably late in '84, and while during the retreat, there's a guy who's speaking who I'd never met, I'd never met before, and. Um, I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, I, I'm going to back up here one second. Just okay. hold on to that thought. I'm so sorry about it's this. It's your story. I, it's your story. I, we'll I, we'll know there's a guy that you've never okay. met before. I, so so what I was tracking about when my God, when when the Lord was emotionally healed me. Right. I want to get back to when He physically healed me. Okay. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, but it's this is all tied together because it's all happened at the same church. So I'm working. So here I am. I get out of college. I'm working. I'm attending Northway Christian Community. I got a job through a friend at the church. And uh, I'm at work one morning, and my mind uh, begins to think about the situation that I'm in. I feel like I'm going to have to be single for the rest of my life. Hmm. I can't imagine uh, approaching a Christian woman knowing that I've got this sexually transmitted disease that no medication's been able to help me with. It's not going away. I've got symptoms. I said, so I had just basically determined I'm going to be a single Christian guy for the rest of my life. I was determined that was, that's what I was going to live. I'm at work and the reality of this is setting in. I know that what my future looks like it's going to be. And I start weeping and crying in the lab I was working in. Mm. I could not literally stop crying on this day. Mm. I neither a day before this day or after have I ever weeped with such sorrow mm. 
Yeah. You're, you're, grie- lasted, you're grieving. I'm grieving my situation, right. my loss and all of that. But I, right. did, I love the Lord and okay, this is my lot. My friend literally has to, I, I, he takes me out to lunch. I'm way, way emotional. I can't stop crying at lunch. He calls an elder at the church, Gene Rink, which I knew a little bit. I, I really like Gene. He calls him up and he has to drive me to his house because I can't drive. Mm. I'm shaking. I'm crying. I'm weeping. And I can't stop this. Mm. So I walk into Gene's house. He's an older gentleman. He's tall with just jet white gray hair. And I've always liked him. Mm -hmm. So I basically spend about 20 minutes explaining to Gene my situation. And then I said this to to him. I said, Gene, I just want you to know. When I look at my body, I feel dirty. Mm -hmm. It didn't take long for Gene. Mm to respond to me. Hmm. He said, Steve, I think I know what you need to do, what you need to do now. He said, Steve, I think you need to confess your sin. Hmm. And I'm there, Gene, what sin is that? He said, Steve, what you're telling the Lord is that you're telling him that you're not clean when he has already cleansed you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So he leads me in a prayer I confess that specific sin. Mm. He anoints me with oil, Mm. lays hands on me. Mm -hmm. And within about a week, those symptoms are gone. Wow. Wow. So the lesson, you know, God's word is truth. Mm. And I think the reality of Jesus' ability to cleanse a sinner and say you are cleansed, mm. it's true. Mm. Mm. And my confession back to him that I wasn't, mm. wasn't right. Mm. Now, it was an honest confession. Of course. But it was an error. Right. It was, it was not the truth of who I was in Christ now. You were convinced one thing is true yeah. because that's all that your mind could imagine. Mm. And in doing so, you were not embracing what God has said is true. Yes. That, that's established forever and for eternity. Mm-hmm. And so your heart and your mind was embracing the lie that was labeled true for you. And you were not embracing the truth because it, it, wasn't, it hadn't penetrated into your mind and into your heart. Yeah. You see, I mean, I see the Lord's wisdom in this day. Mm. He brought this emotion up in me yeah his holy spirit did that absolutely he, yep. he drew me to gene right and it was like we'll talk about a, a lesson learned mm. and so i i think if i'm healed without admitting that i i don't maybe i don't understand the cross like i should well, I, I don't i don't think any of us understand the cross like we should <laughs> you know, we, we, we have limited ability to understand, yeah. but God's grace and his mercy and his love and his peace still abides with us and even mm-hmm. then. But you and I were talking before we started recording about how uh, clarity really only comes with hindsight. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and even though at the time you weren't able to say, oh, wow, this is the Holy Spirit that's working, I didn't know. bringing me to this place. Oh, th- this is the, this is God's grace. It's leading me to this elder, this brother who is mature and has insight and is able to help. You weren't able to see any of those things Mm-mm. along the way, Mm-mm. but in looking back, you're able to see, wow, God was involved in a, in a very personal mm-hmm. And in guiding way, even though I was completely unconscious to the to the whole thing, mm. and that's a powerful testimony, Steve. That just mm-hmm. just because you you said another thing that's just really really important. I don't think we that you you were speaking of yourself that we understand the cross very well. We don't understand the cross as well as we should, and we don't understand forgiveness as well as we should. And you and I, at some point in the future, perhaps in the near future need to have a conversation that we record and talk about this, the broader issue of forgiveness, because both of us mm-hmm. have walked through, and, and all of us, all of us in Christ have walked through those, those times when forgiveness was really the thing that we needed to experience and to receive, mm-hmm. not having understood or known that God had already provided it. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, you and I plan to talk about that. that. That's just a conversation between Mm. you and me. We won't record Mm. that. (laughs) No, it is because Mm -hmm. now, now now take us on from there. That's a powerful thing. Yeah. So what did you, what did you think when, when you began to see, wow, my body, my body is healing. I had no idea God could do anything like that for me. As I said, I, I was convinced I was going to be single for the rest of my life. Mm. So I, I, going back, I was, I, I know I was relieved, number one, and sure. I had some hope. Mm. So the other thing that the Lord did that was significant as far as putting my life back together was emotionally, right? So, okay, yeah. so, so and going back now to this retreat with the worship team. So there's a speaker there. And I'm sorry for getting ahead of myself. Now, now we're now we're back to the guy that you've yeah. never seen before. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm back to the guy that I've never seen before. I've ever seen before. Who's a guest speaker? And I think we probably had this retreat up near Somerset. I mm-hmm. think that's where it was. And so the gentleman was his name's Mark Chirona. And I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I'd never met this man before in my life. And so during the first session Friday night, I basically it's like I'm all bent over. I'm in the front row. There's probably fifty of us there. You know, in a probably a small room, uh, we have a time of worship, and then he speaks. And for the all, the entire time he's speaking, I basically have been over with my my face in my hands. And mm. I, for the life of me, I don't even know why or what I was thinking of. But he stops whatever he was teaching that evening, and he comes over me over to me. I don't see him coming over to me. Mm. I'm like totally distracted, I think. And he says, "Let's pray for this brother." I don't know who he's talking about. And then he lays hands on me. Mm-hmm. So I'm bent over his hands on my head. And he literally describes to, to the very words I would say, mm. what my relationship like was with my father. Mm. So this is a new experience for me. I'm just two, three years as a Christian. And he said, he said during his prayer, he said, Steve, you've said this thing quote is impossible. That's exactly how I would describe my relationship with, with my father. I would tell the Lord, this relationship with my dad is impossible. Right. See, dad, who I, I love, and I, I, he loved me. He was hard on me. I uh, don't know why. My mother doesn't know why. But she, would, she said, Steve, 
your father was particularly hard on you growing up. Mm. I just don't remember him saying anything kind to me. Right. Probably did. Probably yeah. typical kid. Right. You don't remember but, but those. Still. Yeah. But I don't remember that. I just do remember all of the criticism. Yeah. My dad uh, had the ability in my heart. It got to the point where he could um, say one word to me. Mm. And I'd be literally crushed on the inside. Right. It was very difficult for me. I got to the point where I couldn't really take any, any, any unkind word from him. Mm. Now, I, I don't think I was unkind in turn. Right. But right. this is just a relationship. I'm grieving inside. I want something more than what right. I've, I've been experiencing for 23 years. Right. 24 years. So anyhow, again, he prays for me. And David, I don't know how God does this. Mm. My heart was healed. Wow. And I, it, this is how it played itself out, though. But my heart was healed divinely that evening. Mm. The next time I saw my father, I had this love for him that I had never had before. Mm. Mm. I, I, the next time I saw him, I hugged him. And my dad didn't know how to react to that. (laughs) And I told him I loved him and it was sincere. Wow. Yes. And, and what's the great thing about this is that my dad wasn't changed at all. Right. Mm. The Lord changed me. Right. He changed my heart. Mm. He took all of the sorrow and grieving Mm. and disappointment and desire Mm. To want to have a relationship mm. that would satisfy my soul with my father. Yes. And he took it all away. Mm. And so I, don't, I can't explain it. Mm. Other than I was delivered from my father's ability to control me. Right. Not that he was doing it intentionally. It's just, you sure. know what, you know, it wasn't. Right. But I would, again, I, I was no longer, I, he, I, I, David, he didn't do this after this. He could have said anything to me now. Sure. I just would have loved him back. Right. So, so now I'm healed physically. I'm healed emotionally now. Because if I would have brought this into my marriage, I, I, that, all of that hurt and angst would have been brought into a relationship with a woman too. Mm-hmm. And it was only after those two things did I feel the Holy Spirit release me to date or, and, and, and marry a woman. Those were key, fundamental, and I'm so thankful to God. The truth is, Steve, that we bring our past experience, we bring our mindsets and our perspectives, we bring our understandings, and we bring our brokenness into the marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. The man and the woman both bring those things together. And, and, and when there hasn't been uh, at least the, the beginning of a journey of healing taking place in someone's life, and you have two people coming together, trying to mesh all of these various elements together into one, it's, it's no wonder the divorce rate is so high. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder that, the, that marriages break up at such an alarming rate, because it's a lot of work in the best of circumstances. Mm-hmm. But when you have that type of brokenness there on on both parties, it, it it's it's almost an impossible task 
And, and apart from the grace and the mercy and the love and the peace of God being brought into that dynamic, it is an impossible task. It, it just, it, it's, you're, you, we're asking people to do something they just simply are not capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And when there's this base level, core level unforgiveness, yes. like, like you had with your father, like yes. I had with my father, mm-hmm. that dynamic feeds into every other relationship and it spills over into that. Mm-hmm. And with, with me, it was an expression of anger. Mm-hmm. And with you, it would, would have been something else. It was something else. I mean, it, there's any number of ways we give expression to this, but it, it, it's there and it doesn't, it just doesn't go away by itself. I think David, that again, so why would I have checked out, right? Mm-hmm. Going back to before I get saved in April of 83, I'm 23. Yeah. I think that the relationship with my father, the way I saw myself physically and other things just mounted one on top of another. I know that there's probably a lot of people, circumstances just pile up. Sure. Oh, yeah. And there's no relief. And about you get to a point where you think the only real relief mm-hmm. is to just leave it all behind. Yeah. Just check out. Yeah. At least I won't feel the pain anymore. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, so... So those two were significant, mm. but I think what's really interesting is how I actually got saved the day I got saved. Mm. So now, you know, the backstory here, so I'm not going to yes. take you all over the map of the United States of America between <laughs> leaving chiropractic school and then getting saved in South Carolina. But right. so I'm, I, I find myself at a large church in South Carolina. Friends have asked me to join, uh, to attend a service. There's an evangelist there. And I don't remember what he said, but at the end of the service, he says, would anybody like to be saved? Please come forward. And I thought with sort of my new age mindset, well, sure, I'll try anything. No, <laughs> okay, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. If that's what, whatever you say, I'm going to come forward. So I start walking forward down to the platform and there's a lot of people there. There's probably a hundred, 150 people there. And by the time I get there, uh, I mean, there's probably two or three rows of people at the bottom of this platform. And so I, I think to myself, no, there's just no room here. I'll just go back to my seat. Mm. So I head back to my seat and these two girls, they could have been angels. And I mean this, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean this, I mean, it, it happened so fast. I start walking up to, to my chair about 10 rows back. These girls come walking down very briskly to me and they stop me before turning in to the row. They say, what are you doing? And I said, honestly, I said, there's no room for me up front. They said, don't worry about that. They'll make room for you. So mm. they, they escort me down. And I think I'm the only one call up on the stage that night you know, on the platform. Mm. So I don't know anything. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to walk up there. I walk over to the evangelist and I shake his hand. And as soon as I shake his hand, I drop to my knees. Boom. And I start crying. And I, and literally, David, I've, I'm squeezing this man so hard, I could have probably broke it. Mm. And I've got his hand on my forehead, and I'm on my knees, bowing down like this. And mm. I'm saying to God, Father, I'm so worn out. I've tried. This is my Catholic mind thinking, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've tried my best to be good. Mm. But the harder, I'm, the, the harder I try to be good, the worse I get. Hmm. And so I'm weeping. I'm weeping. I, I'm sure he prayed a prayer for, over me. 
I could have been flattened my back at some point on this. You know how some of those, yeah, you, some you of those things you see on TV? Yeah, <laughs> it, was, just... <laughs> it was one of those, it was one of those things where all I, all I know is that uh, the first thing that evening when I get back is I, I, I'm there. I got to get to a Bible. I got to go read a Bible. Now, we had a Bible on our coffee table. Yeah, right. We really cared less about it. Mm-hmm. I have to get to a Bible and start reading it. Mm. <clears throat> so I, 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 they, they provide a Bible and I'm opening them up. And you know how it is when you're a new believer. I, I mean, everything that you read affects you. Mm-hmm. And so from that point, from that evening on, and, and, and again, there's a whole backstory that we don't have time to share. I spend then three months on a farm with an ordained pastor who begins to disciple me Yeah, in Turtletown, Tennessee. Didn't know that place even existed. Yeah. But, but I think one of the things that was amazing to me to learn as a brand new believer was we'd be working on the farm. I'd be working with David and we do Bible studies together, but we'd be working and I would, I would suddenly start crying. I, I've, I've talked a lot about crying, haven't I, so far? <laughs> it's okay. It's part of your journey, but, man. But, uh, but the Holy Spirit would begin to bring up past sins to my memory. Mm-hmm. And he would begin to show me, he'd say, Steve, see, you thought what you did there was mm-hmm. kind of gray. Right. I'm telling you, this was a sin. Right. And I began to weep. Mm. And so I spent like months with that thing happening to me quite a bit. Where the whole, right. now, again, not, there's not another human being pointing this out to me. I'm not mm. being condemned by somebody. Right. It's the spirit of God bringing past sins up to me that I can confess and I can admit to, it was a healing, cleansing thing. It wasn't and, a condemning, and yeah, it was and you, a good thing. You weren't being condemned by this, by this process the Holy Spirit's working. No, not at all. It was about, you know, part of what that was doing, Steve, is reorienting your mindset of what is and what is not appropriate. You know, yes. It was that, well, well what yes. was wrong with that? Oh, wow, this yes. is, what, oh, because the yes. way that you were viewing life and viewing the world had been deeply affected by um, a very strong, specifically defined religious background. Mm-hmm. And, and many people have that. Not all Catholic. Many have many varieties of that. We all have many varieties of sure. that religious background. And then you had that, uh, the, the effect of that new age kind of thinking that your, your mom had introduced you to and you'd been pursuing sort of in a parallel kind of way yes. with, with your association with the religious institution. But neither of those were bringing life to you. But no. in, this, in this dynamic where you're just sort of off in this relationship of being discipled and engaging with the scripture, the Holy Spirit begins to say, okay, let's take a look at what, what the track record has been and let's try to reorient you to a different perspective. And that is an invaluable experience for a person to have. That mm-hmm. is, that really is the essence of discipleship. It's the thing that Jesus did with his disciples. Mm-hmm. You know, he walked with them for several years and they, they, they lived with him and heard him speak and saw him do. And they began to think differently about things than they had thought about them before. And that's what that's the essence of repentance. Repentance isn't feeling sorry. It's going, oh wow, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to embrace this other way. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the journey that you were on there. That's exciting, man. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. So from there, 
Mm-hmm. We know now, looking yeah. back, yeah. that you you did become a husband and you did become oh, yes. a father. Oh yes. And just give it give us the the Reader's Digest version of that portion. If you can, I understand it. It's the joy of my life. Oh, it is, isn't it? So I've been married to Amy for be 34 years this December. I love her. Yeah. She's an amazing woman. The way she loves me, Mm. loves our kids Mm -hmm. and loves our grandkids. Mm -hmm. I've got three adult kids, three adult children. Uh, uh, the, I'm going to get these date, the ages wrong, but they're like 30, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 34 and 27. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So two older girls and a son and, you know, being a husband and a father, as much as I, I that is my dream. We all know this is very difficult hmm. learning to love your spouse and respect and through thick and thin. That's not easy. It's not that, that that'll put you on your knees. That'll put you in, in, in your prayer closet. Yes, it will. Kids. I think through, through my kids, they, you lay your life down mm. emotionally. I have laid my life down financially for my family. Right. So sure, sure. it's just part of it. In you, in, in depending on your children, you may have to go through help with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And and I think the one thing in looking back now that they're all married and that is that we never stopped praying for them, Amy mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. no matter what they were going through, mm-hmm. no matter how distant they were from God, right? we always had this unbelievable faith and trust that if we would call on him, mm. the God who saved me, sure, he would save my child. Right. And so... Uh, so they're older, married, um, uh, six grandkids, um, and uh, you know, it, it, uh, raising kids, you have to develop a godly patience mm. immediately. Because mm. if you can't develop a godly patience, you will not. You will hurt your kids. Yes, right. You'll say something. You will have to come back and ask for forgiveness for mm-hmm. if you're humble enough. Right? Yes. And, so, and humi- humility, if you're going to be an effective, an effective godly parent, yeah. hu- humility is going to be your regular companion. Mm. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, and I, I think, you know, along the way also to Dave, and I think I probably mishandled my son early on. You know, when you have the pressure of providing and raising kids and sure. all the activities of life, you know, that's going to come out. I think there were times I was way too short with him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it wasn't that long where the Holy Spirit basically told me to be quiet, Steve. Mm-hmm. Don't speak. Right. When you're angry, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when Graham was getting into his teenage years, I, I changed the way that I was going to parent him. It was going to be, I'm going to pray about everything I see and know about him. The flaws that I know that are there, and I have them too. And I'm going to start praying for him. Right. Now that didn't that didn't mean I, I wasn't going to say anything to him. Right. Because I did and and I would. Right. It's just that it was amazing when I started praying for him. Right. 
God would open up these amazing opportunities to instruct him. And I could, I could be very straight, but suddenly he was hearing me. Mm. He wasn't hearing me. He wasn't hearing me before I was angry and he Mm. was probably just dismissing what I'm saying, or he's getting upset or defensive or Or defensive. Exactly. But when I started praying for him in particular, the other two girls would have different personalities in that. But with Graham, it was, uh, the way I'm going to parent him is I'm going to pray about everything that I see and I'm going to wait, hmm. wait. And then these moments would come all the time when suddenly I'm, I'm instructing him and he's hearing me and hmm. I'm not over the top angry, hmm. but I could be very firm. I could have my convictions and I could be very direct. Right. But I think that was, that was a, a thing that I, and I, I, I've also based on my, personal experience with Graham and prayer, that's how I see most people now. My prayer life is such that I may see something in a person. Mm-hmm. I may misjudge them or whatever, but my re- my immediate reaction anymore is to observe, be quiet, don't respond or don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Just start praying. Start praying for that person and see what happens. I may never say a word to them. Right. Don't know. Right. The one thing I know that seems to be effective for me, if I commit to praying for somebody over time, over time, right, things are going to change. Wow, I, I do believe that. Do you think it's Do you think it's in part because you're embracing that place of humility in your relationship with them? Does that feed into that? Because I, the thing, I've seen this happen before in my own life, where I've, I've believed something to be true but I did not engage with them about it at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> later on, I realized that it was just the grace of God. You know, it was the Holy spirit just keeping me from engaging. I, I wasn't chomping at the bit to do it, but I, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to set them right. Yeah. I wanted, but I, I discovered down the road that I didn't have the full perspective on things. I think that a scripture that would probably be appropriate here is we're supposed to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. A slow to anger, yeah. Slow yeah. to quick anger. To hear, yeah. And I think if this would be a great application for that verse, you know, yeah. with how I'm, tri- I'm going to engage with my son, and now anybody now. Mm-hmm. I don't do this perfectly, but uh, it's like you can always hold your tongue. Mm-hmm. You can always wait yeah. to say something. Right. Once you say something, it's out of your mouth. It's, it's, it's done. It's out there. It's out there now. Yeah, yeah. And now and, you you could really mess up. And I do that. And gee, Steve, I'm sorry that I came across that way. I'm sorry yes. that I said what I said. Yeah. But you know, you know, I, it's impossible to take those things back. No, you can't. Particularly in that dynamic with a child or a spouse no. or a family member. You no. know, it's they, they and they may forgive. My, my son did. My my children did. But you know, my my kids, and this is a conversation, another one of the conversations we're going to have at some point, my children still remember the angry years. Yep. They, well, and, and not, not as a weapon against me, but just in terms of comparative. I mean, there's, they know they're seeing my life now and my life over the past quite a few years compared to how it was during the angry years. Well, and they, I, it, I, I was just living there and, and just not even aware of it. Well, I said earlier that I can't recall what kind word my, my father said to me. Right. I'm sure that he did. I Probably. just can't remember it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Anyhow, so it, 
being a parent is total challenge. It's going to keep you up. If you want a parent, I think, and I'm not no parent expert, yeah. but for me, the only thing I could honestly go to at the end was on my knees pleading for myself. Lord, yeah. please deliver me from me. Right, 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 right. Please help me not to yeah. be angry. Yeah. Please have mercy on my family. Mm-hmm. Please help my children. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow. Yeah, well, I, I, that's Steve. One of the things that I've known about your life uh, over the years that I've known you is your willingness just to be open and honest about about where you are and where you've been. And uh, I really appreciate you expressing that today. I mean, it is a our natural inclination, I think, is to always want to present the best foot forward. You know, I want to tell the story in such a way that somehow I come out wearing the cape and the tights. You know, <laughs> I want, I want to be, I want to be the hero, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I'm really hoping. And, and so I'm really committed to us on, on the podcast project that we're working on is that we have a, a hero free zone. <laughs> you know, that yeah. this is not about, this is not about me crafting a story so that I look really good. It's about me sharing my story in such a way that I'm able to point to how good God has been. And that's the thing. That's the thing that I hear coming from you is, but God, you know, here's my life, but God, and here's, here's where I was. Maybe even could have decided to check out, but God, and here I am with no hope in a future for the thing that's been the deepest longing of my heart. That was, it, there was, it was never going to happen, but God. And see, Steve, that's the point of thriving. Thriving isn't living a life with nothing but green skies and, and I mean, blue skies and green lights. It's, it's, it's discovering along the way the, the the presence of God through his grace and his mercy and his love and his peace. And all of us only discover God along the way. It, it, it's because that's where we live our lives. We live our lives along the way. And, and, and we don't live our lives. We don't get to go out and live our lives when we have everything all together and our shoes are polished and our pants are pressed and our shirt is all nice and neat and we're and we have our stuff all together now i can go out and live life that's just not the way it is we're 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 living life with our wrinkled clothes and our dirty t-shirt and our you know shoe is untied and our hair's messed up i mean that's where that's along the way my friend and and the blessing is that's where god meets us (laughs) you know god meets us Along the way, and your story is your story is just the the a, a wonderful example of that reality. But God meeting us along the way, buddy. And I know I I just thank you so much for being willing to put it out there like that, and. And to embrace humility, because one thing the scripture tells us 
is that God gives his grace to the ones who embrace humility. And so I just pray for his grace and his mercy and his love and his peace to be yours as it has been in an ever increasing amounts as you are able to receive more and more of it, buddy. <laughs> and I know, I know I could, you know, you, you and I are seeing each other on, on the zoom video sure. and our, 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 our listeners aren't able to see that, mm-hmm. but I know you and I are both in tears right now. Yes, we are. But it's because of the goodness of God mm-hmm. and, and the goodness of God that gets poured out in your life right along the way, man. What, what an example. This is so undeserving. Of course. So unearned. I could have never earned mm. what I've experienced in my relationship with the Lord. I, prior to being saved, I was trying to earn it. Sure. It did take me a couple of years to get past well, that, sure. yes. that mindset, but I do appreciate you, David Higginbotham. Hey, listen, I love you too, Steve. Uh, I love you, and That's... I appreciate you uh, helping me right today uh, share my story or share the Lord's work, what He's done. Well, your story is a blessing, and you you have other blessings that are there in your heart. And we'll be talking about some of those things because listen, the journey continues. Your, your, your life and my life and other people's lives. Uh, we are all learning to thrive. The mountaintop means nothing apart from the deepest, darkest valley. It is profound. It doesn't. And and if we don't see both, Mm -hmm. if we don't see both, we're missing out on, mm-hmm. on, on the blessing because both bring a blessing. Mm-hmm. Listen, thank you so much for your time, Steve. Uh, we've, we've just been talking here for a long time. And yeah, yeah. That's okay. Um, I, I just bless you, buddy. My best to your, to your family, my best to Amy and to your mm-hmm. kids. And uh, until we talk again, I just want you to know I carry you in my heart, my friend. You too, David. God bless you. We'll talk again soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for choosing the Learning to Thrive podcast. We hope you have been encouraged. Please check the show notes where you can learn more about today's episode. Give us a rating, tell your friends, and join us again next week. Together, we are learning to thrive.